one of my best friends in middle school lived two doors down from me. She actually just came to a show in Texas and she was like popular and I wasn't. And so we were kind of like secret best friends where we would (laughs) hang out in the driveway all the time. And it wasn't like she was a bitch to me at school or anything, but I remember, and I don't know why she told me this, but I remember at one point she told me that another friend of hers had told her about me again. Why would you tell me this? That like, yeah, I mean, Taylor's nice, but she's not like us. Oh, God. Which is like, I'm like, an 11-year-old said that? (laughs) An 11-year-old was like, Uh, look, I think Taylor's fine. But she's not at our level. I'm like, are we like in Downton Abbey? (laughs) Where like the sister's trying to date the chauffeur? Or it's like, Branson's very nice, but he's not (laughs) like us. That was the voice of Taylor Tomlinson. She is not like us. That's true. <laughs> she's uh, she's returned. She's a returning champion to working it out. It's the second time she's joined us on the show. One of my favorite comics. One of my most f- fun memories, recent memories, is in the fall. She and I were both performing in Chicago at the same time. And uh, she, I, I went to see the hour that she filmed for Netflix. It just came out. It's called uh, Look at You, and I met up with her openers, Dustin and Irene, and Atsuko was on tour with me, and we had coffee, and it was just a very fun, just a great town, Chicago, and it's fun to hang with comics, and it felt like things were starting to come back a little bit, and it was so fun. Um, Before we start, I should point out, I'm going back to Chicago. I'm going to be there at the Steppenwolf Theater in April and May for... Four weeks. I think it's like twenty something shows in like a intimate, gorgeous theater. Steppenwolf. It's amazing. So so excited for it. Um, uh, all that's on Burbigs.com. And while you're there, you can see I added a second show in Washington D.C., a third show in London, uh, and then five weeks of shows in Los Angeles at the Mark Taper Forum. That's another long theatrical run make the trip to see that show because it's actually going to have the full set design by Beowulf Barrett and the lighting design. It's, it's just going to be sort of the bells and whistles of it and that's super duper exciting. Um, I'm, and I'm figuring out a fall tour right now. If you want to chime in on my Instagram or on my TikTok you'll see that I made videos where I'm soliciting city suggestions. I actually asked people what they thought was the city that the most people could get to in a car. And so like some of the big hitters are like Detroit, Louisville, uh, Atlanta. So I'm working on that right now as we speak. Sign up for the mailing list. You'll find out what the fall tour is. But today I get to talk to Taylor Tomlinson about her special, about her process of opening up about uh, personal things. I mean, this special, she talks about being diagnosed with bipolar 2 and being in a relationship with an ex-boyfriend that where she feels like she was wrong about a bunch of stuff and she admits like how she felt about that and this is I really respect it so much. I think it's and it's so funny. It's so per- it's just my favorite kind of comedy. Um, we work out new jokes, we have laughs. I think you'll love this conversation with the great Taylor Tomlinson.
that's one of the things I find inspirational about your special is you go like, no, I was wrong about this. And, and it made me it made me think, which I think is great when comedy does that and you sort of reflect on your own issues. Is it made me think like, wait, am I doing that in these instances? It's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope so. And it's kind of like, it's hard because it's so much easier to live in that sort of delusional, petty place <laughs> yeah. of like, everybody lost me, you know? Like, no, and I think weirdly, like culture encourages it. Totally encourages it. Like every song you hear, yeah. like every pop song you hear is just like, I did nothing wrong and I'm great. And, you know, step aside world. And I think it is, it is tough to look back at something and go, oh man, I wish I'd handled that differently. And it doesn't mean that if you mishandled the end of a relationship, it would have necessarily worked out, but it does mean that you can have regret about it and feel badly about it. And also acknowledge like me, like losing that relationship by my own fault, like me ending it is like, that was like the thing that made me get on mood stabilizers because yeah. I had tried antidepressants in the past and I like couldn't do, I could, couldn't find something that worked and I would keep giving up and just going like, Oh, fuck it. Like I'm just going to eat spinach and work out and just be Popeye. <laughs> and I'll just, my mental health will be fine. And as long as I keep everything perfect in my relationships, yeah. like it'll be okay. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. I think. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, you need, you need help. Well, you need like medication. Um, and so that loss was so painful. And I had this special coming up yeah, that I had to record in a few months that I had no choice, but to like go back to my psychiatrist who's still my psychiatrist and say, you know, I really, I need to just find something that works for me. Like I just, as long as it takes, I just have to figure this out. You have that amazing line in your show where you go like, I said to my psychiatrist, like I'm on, this medication and I Googled it and it's for people with bipolar. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible? That's what I have. And she's like, maybe it is. And you're like, that's not how this is supposed to work. I don't think. Right. Well, what's so funny is, so I'm, I'm bipolar too. And what I think originally I had done that with my therapist and I had said, do you think I'm bipolar? And she was like, no, I don't think so. But she started seeing me during COVID. She was like a new therapist. She she had never met me not on medication. Wow. So, you know, she had no idea. And then I had a moment not quite a year ago where I had a week of like making all these big decisions and behaving very like erratically. And my therapist made a comment where she said, you know, it sounds like you had some like hypomania going on. And I was like, what? And she was like, don't worry, it's you're fine. Uh, you know, I don't want to freak you out. And then like the next week she goes, I feel like I scared you with that. It's only if it lasts for like a week or longer, those feelings. So, and it was only a couple of days for you. Right. And I was like, Oh no, it was not a couple of days and it's <laughs> happened before. And that's what that was. And she goes, Oh yeah, then we need to talk to, we need to talk to your doctor. So then it was like Avengers assemble. Everybody kind of, that's what I called my therapist and my psychiatrist is the Avengers. <laughs> and I like went back through the last, whatever, five years of my life. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, it seems like 
you are able to justify your decision-making process very well and talk about it in a way that made it hard for even us to kind of notice this pattern. Yeah. And then luckily we just upped my medication and it helped so much and it had already helped so much being on what I was on and still am on currently. Um, and the line I say in the special about like, you shouldn't feel bad if you get diagnosed with a mental illness because it's just information about you that helps you know how to take care of yourself. That was something my psychiatrist said to me. Yeah. That made me feel a lot better about it where she was like, it's not, it's not a big deal. This is right. just, this is just new information about you. That's actually good news because mm-hmm. now we know exactly what to do. Yeah. And now I, I feel like such a different person And I even like, I watched part of quarter life crisis while I was editing this current special. And I was like, wow, that is someone who is tap dancing real hard. And just knowing the backstory and like what I was dealing with at the time, I'm like, oh, that person was like very sad and like really turning it on. And in the new one, I'm like, oh, I, I seem a lot calmer and, you know, more balanced, I think, and a little more comfortable. And part of that is just age and experience. But I do think a big part of it is like, I I was kind of like vibrating uh, in that first one. Like I'd had a horrible panic attack that morning. I was like, so stressed out. I was scared. And this one, I felt, I felt a lot better about more prepared for, um, even in being nervous about it, of course. That's what I, that's what I was getting from it you know, is like, it just feels more, it feels more like you, mm-hmm. like the early versions of, of my stuff. I can't watch. Cause I'm like, yeah. a, I'm like a dumb version of myself. I'm like, why <laughs> am I, why am I acting so dumb? Why am I like, it's just, why would I do that? I don't get it. Like, I can't even like bring myself to, I mean, I guess like there's a justification, which is like when I started out, I would say things that are sort of dumb and then I look sort of dumb and people are like, perfect. It's a fit. <laughs> and then at I a mean, certain what's, what's the earliest that you can stand to watch? Like oh, when God. was the point that you're like, this is where I, think, I got I, smart. I, th- I think like what I should have said was nothing is like 2008. And I was like, okay, this is like in the universe of who I am. But yeah. everything before that, Comedy Central Presents, all the stuff, I'm like this wide-eyed, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not what I'm like. I was just playing to the crowd because like people were laughing at that in clubs. You know, like, oh, look at this idiot. He's an idiot. See, he looks like one. He talks like one. And then at a certain point, I'm like, I'm actually not that dumb. Yeah. Maybe I should sort of play to the height of my intelligence, sense of the depths of my intelligence. And then, uh, and then it just made, truthfully, it made me happier. And I think my connection with my audience became deeper because I think they sense it. I think mm-hmm. it, like I was at your show in Chicago. You and I were in Chicago at the same time. We had a great time because it was you and me and Atsuko who was opening for me. And then it was Dustin Nickerson who opens for you and Irene too who opens for you. And it was like, what? The, and Ryan, Atsuko's husband, like the five of us had like a summit mm-hmm. outside at a coffee shop. In, in Chicago, so fun. So fun. It felt like a comedy festival. It did. It felt like a mini comedy festival. It was interesting because it was one of those moments where it was like realizing it was one of the first time I had socialized since the pandemic mm-hmm. because there was like an outdoor cafe. And so we were able to like 
sit and talk. And it was just, it's just like, I mean, we've all been, I mean, we're going to be talking about this for decades, but like, mm. we've all been through the fucking ringer with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, just talking to people like, like you and Irene and Dustin, like, feels like I'm on drugs. I know. I'm just like, this is like a rave. <laughs> What's in this coffee? <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a part of me that was scared with the pandemic that afterward, nobody was going to want to hear jokes about like mental health stuff. Um, but I think everybody like had to come to terms with their own mental health issues. So I think yeah. now it's actually more appropriate. So I'm hoping it resonates with people. This is a slow round. You've been on the show before, so you, you know all about this. But is there a time in your life where you were an inauthentic version of yourself, where you look back and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I pretended to be that. Ooh, oh my gosh. Yeah, every time I pretended to be stable and confident. <laughs> but yeah, I think there have definitely been a lot of times that I was like putting on a front, especially like when I'm like getting into a relationship or something, I think I'm very guarded, but I portray it as being very confident where i'm like <laughs> yeah take it or leave it yeah you know, like i'm i'm good over here i don't have time for whatever this is yeah like i i think i do i i've seen that in the past i go well that wasn't really you being authentic that was just you being closed off yeah do you remember like a specific instance of that like did, is anything coming to mind like a specific night or moment or meeting someone I, I had a third date with somebody who I had a third date with my ex-fiance who we had like a kind of like a date that was like sort of awkward. And I came away from it feeling like, okay, well, this person's just not super interested, which was not at all what was said. I was just internalizing things and like in my own stuff. And I remember I think I called him and was like, well, you're clearly not into this. Like we should just be friends. <laughs> I don't, I don't have time for this. Um, but you know, good luck. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, Oh wow. I'm, I am, I am interested in you. I literally just said that. And I was like, well, you know, because of this, this, and this that happened, like, I just don't think, you know, you're that into it. Like, which was just me feeling insecure and scared and anxious Aww. about getting into something with somebody and and trying to trying to put it on them yeah as like okay i'm not i don't actually care about this and i'm not feeling insecure i'm just recognizing that this isn't what i need right now or this isn't something that i have time for and uh obviously that did not stick um but that that was a specific moment i remember i was like in hindsight, I was like, oh, you were like kind of closing up because you got you got rattled for a minute. Your ex-fiance is listening right now and going <laughs> like, I've I tried to explain this to you. I know. I'm sure he's not. He's very healthy and fine. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the best piece of advice anyone's given you that you used? Ooh. I mean, I think it's it's such a basic answer, but the advice we all give to people who are like, how do I become a comedian? And you're like, just do it. Just write yeah. and perform a lot. Like, 
that's the advice I've used and was the best, like people who told me early on, like, you just have to get on stage as much as possible. And you being scared is not a good enough excuse to not do it. And if you don't make it, it's your fault. Oh my God. So <laughs> like, you're going to have to deal with that. And that was really good advice that I think changed my life and, and changed my career. Um, and really like started it, honestly. That's so funny. Cause I was given that advice and of course, when you're given advice, usually the first time you hear it, you don't really understand it because it doesn't relate to your life. Mm. But then I just started doing this thing where like in college, I remember like Nick Kroll and I would like host like the acapella festival together. Or, like <laughs> we would just do these things that were not because there's no stage time. There was no open mics at the time. So we just sort of do any stage time there was. Right. And we got a lot better. And even like after I graduated from college and I was performing in colleges like in cafeterias and lunch shows and all these like really terrible hosting lip sync contests. And it was like terrible. And I got better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so weird how you get better from these things that are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. That's a that's a great one. Um, did you have like a strange neighbor or memorable neighbor growing up? Ooh, I had sort of a unique situation that would have been the plot of like a 90s teen movie, I guess, where <laughs> my my one of my best friends in middle school lived two doors down from me. She actually just came to a show in Texas and she was like popular and I wasn't. And so we were kind of like secret best friends where we would <laughs> hang out in the driveway all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't like she was a bitch to me at school or anything, but I remember, and I don't know why she told me this, but I remember at one point she told me that another friend of hers had told her about me again. Why would you tell me this? That like, yeah, I mean, Taylor's nice, but she's not like us. Oh gosh. Which is like, a, I'm like, a, an 11 year old said that? <laughs> an 11 year old was like, uh, look, I think Taylor's fine, oh but she's not at our level. I would consider doing that as a bit. Cause really? I think it's, I just think the detail of <laughs> she's not like us is yeah. such a funny piece of dialogue. She's Taylor's fine. She's not like uh like it, yeah, it was like it was like a I'm like, are we like in Downton Abbey? <laughs> where like the sister's trying to date the chauffeur? Oh, or it's like gosh. Branson's very nice, but he's not <laughs> like us. That's what everything is though, right? Yeah. Like it never ends. That's that's true when you're like eight years old, and it's true when you're like 40 years old. Like it just doesn't change. It doesn't go away. You're like, it's yeah. just a different class of human. I'm just like, don't like us. I don't wear Hollister. Just I'm not isn't like us. <laughs> I had that with my parents. A few people my parents like suggested I not be friends with when I was a kid. Wow. And I'll just never forget it because I'm like. Of course, those are the people you want to be friends with. The moment yeah. they say, essentially, they're not like us, you're going to be friends with those people. Right. Was it because they were bad influences? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And they were. And they were. <laughs> and they were. My parents are right. <laughs> this is a similar question, but it's like, what was there a group growing up that wouldn't let you in? Oh, I think I knew my place growing up. I think I, I knew where I stood. I hung out with the same 
the same basic group of friends from the time I was in like sixth grade until I graduated high school because we were all in band and I hated band. I hated it, but I had to be in it for four years. So by the time I got to ninth grade and I could pick something else, all my friends were in band. So like, what was I going to do? I think, I think band seems like a good situation. Oh, I don't know if this is funny. This actually, I just had this thought while we were talking about the, the band thing. I just realized like part of the reason I didn't like band is because I wasn't good at either instrument and I never memorized, I was in marching band and I never memorized any of the music. So I was just Mm -hmm. faking it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was so uncomfortable (laughs) and scary because sometimes they'd go down the line and they'd have you like play a part. And I was like, I can't do it. I don't know that part. And I think that's why I've never faked an orgasm. Oh my Because I just faked clarinet and trumpet for years and it was so uncomfortable i was like i'm never gonna fake anything ever again this is a huge breakthrough (laughs) this is this is a huge band club breakthrough (laughs) sorry what was your next question you should do that as a bit that's that's what i was thinking i was like that that might be a bit bit. for sure yeah oh my god is that relatable that is so funny i have a yeah i have similar things in my life where i go my inauthentic version of myself is that I there's a period of my high school where I wore like a cowboy hat for no reason. It's so stupid. <laughs> and like it it so mortified me in hindsight that like I've never worn like anything bold like ever again. <laughs> like if you notice my like outfit, my wardrobe is all so blase because right. I just don't want to draw attention to the things I'm wearing. Right, because you feel like if you wear even like a confident jacket, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, hey, cowboy Mike." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even some kind of remote pattern or you know, outrageous pattern feels like draws attention to myself, and then people are looking at my clothes. Yeah, and that's yeah. why, and and all, and of course, that's why I don't fake orgasms. Right, of course. Faking an orgasm is like wearing a cowboy hat to high school. (laughs) Working it out is sponsored in part by Helix. That's uh, how do you like my new mattress voice? That's my mattress ad voice. Uh, As you know, uh, I <laughs> Helix has been one of the they were one of the original working out sponsors, and I love Helix. I think it's the most comfortable mattress. It's uh, everyone on the staff: Kate, Peter, Mabel, Joe. Everybody's got the Helix mattress. We all love it. Whenever someone stays at my apartment, they love it. I've had a bunch of people stay with me and then order one themselves. It shows up, by the way, in a box. Shows up in a box. You open it up, pops out. I think you'll love it. Go over to uh, helixsleep.com slash perbigs. Take the their two-minute sleep quiz. I think you're going to ace that quiz. And what they're going to do is they're going to match you to a customized mattress, give you the best sleep of your life. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners of Working It Out at helixsleep.com slash perbigs. Working It Out is also sponsored by Noom. Noom is uh, this little app I have on my phone. And uh, it sort of keeps, you know, I keep track of uh, what I'm eating and my fitness. And uh, it's sort of like a cognitive therapy approach 
to your life, you know, and what you're taking in and what you're, how much you're working out or exercising. I find it's a good situation for me, especially when I travel, you know, I'm on tour all the time. And sometimes I find with flying and checking in hotels, I'm just spun out. <laughs> I forget what I've eaten, where I've eaten it. Uh, and then Noom has daily lessons, coaching, food logging, weight tracking, and it just sort of helps me keep track of a lot of stuff. And there's no need to worry about fitting Noom into your schedule. You just you need 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, and you log your stuff, gives you some tips. Start building better habits today for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash Burbigs. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash Burbigs to sign up for your trial. So this is the part where I'm working on new material on the show. And um, a big thing in my show that I'm working on is this idea of like that I'm not from an I love you family. Like, um, mm. are you from an I love you family? Yes. Oh, that's good. I mean, we'll get to my jokes next. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I from a family that said I love you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... What we say, what my family says instead of I love you is we say, take care, take care. That's and hilarious. I, I say it's not the same. Um, not only does it not have the word love in it, but if you think about it, it's it's sort of a passive aggressive command as if to say, I'm going to need you to do something for me. I was about to say that was my first impression, too. Where I was like, take care. Like it's it's an it's like a chore or it's like, chore. don't forget to right. take care. Don't forget to take out the garbage and take care. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's so that's so brutal. So you would you would like leave on you leave on holidays and your parents are like, take care. Not only that, Taylor, they still do. Really? I, mean, I talk to my parents. They're 82 years old. I talk to them and go, take care. And they dropped you off at college. Oh, yeah. And they were like, take care. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. When you went through when you went through a breakup, you were having a hard time. They were like, take care. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. What and, happens when you say I love you? Do you say I love you? No. And the, Okay, it, so then you can't really complain. Bit. It's on me a bit. I, I, and I have this joke. I go, I don't blame myself. I go, I don't blame myself. Uh, this is the first part of it. I, but I go, um, I, I don't blame myself. Can you imagine if my parents were like, take care? And I was like, but I love you. Like that would feel a little <laughs> desperate. Um, that is a lot. No, you'd I, have to you'd have to say I love you before they say take care. But it's yeah. that is so talking about vulnerability. How uh, how devastating would it be to say I love you and they go, uh-huh, take care. No, I know. I mean, can, it's inconceivable. Right now in the current show, I say I've tried to reverse the cycle one year on Mother's Day. I called my mom and I go, Mom, I really appreciate you. And there was silence on the other end for a few seconds. And then she goes, bye now. <gasps> you tried Bye to ease now. into it. I know, tried you to tried ease to in. ease into love with appreciate. I know appreciate. I know. Oh, but you said you said I. Maybe maybe what you need to do is you need to abbreviate it even further and Still say like you. appreciate ya. Like you need to talk to your parents the way you talk to somebody you don't want to date anymore. <laughs> oh my god! But you like as a person. Oh my god! Like you just need to abbreviate everything. Oh, go gosh. like love ya, great yeah. to see ya. Like it's where you kind of just get into it, where they feel like, well, they said ya instead of you, 
they said, appreciate you instead of I appreciate you. It does feel less intense. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's funny. I wrote this thing that's similar to the love you thing, which is it's I love you isn't the be all end all. Like you can say love you and yeah. it means maybe I do. <laughs> and you can say I love you, which means I I don't. Like there's all there's all different versions of I love you. The words themselves don't fundamentally mean they're true. Right. That's um, yeah. It's how you say true. it. It's how you say it. Did your parents pay for college? Yes, they did. Okay, then maybe get over it. Like oh my Do you gosh. know what I mean? Like maybe maybe that's like not oh get over. Gosh. Obviously I'm kidding. Mike's laughing for anyone listening. That's so funny. You know, what's really interesting about that is is that my dad, my dad and I have a lot of uh, fierce political disagreements. And they're very challenging. And we've had to essentially put an embargo on political discussion. Mm-hmm. It's it's over. It's over. I mean, like, we we literally cannot talk about it. Um, But I have to say, like, the thing that my dad did for me that is you can't, you literally can't put a price tag on is the degree to which he valued education in my life Mm. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Not just paying for college, but literally like just, you know, having me have good teachers and all, all, and just paying attention to sort of where we're living and what schools they are and all that kind of stuff. It's just just like, yeah, that's like one of the things that, you know, and of course there's, there's that whole thing of like, you know, your parents, you have to you have to remind yourself of of what would you say if your parents died tomorrow then what would you say you should say that now right right was it hard for you to say i love you in romantic relationships as a result of that no oddly like it's not hard and then it's not even hard with like friends like i tell friends i love them like I, i i it's it's so it's it's a lot to unpack but okay, so a couple other joke jokes to get through in this area, which is, um, in fairness, I don't think my parents were from I Love You families themselves. I'm pretty sure love started in 1978 when I was born. <laughs> it had like just come out. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you can't like, that would be like saying like, I didn't grow up in a house with a toaster and it's like well that was the year toasters were invented <laughs> yeah you know like i didn't grow up with a television well did everyone have a television then <laughs> probably not i think maybe the reason i don't say i love you to my parents is that they think i'm pretty cool and i don't want to squander the opportunity for these 80 year olds to think i'm cool they think you're cool and they won't think you're cool if you're like, I love you. Yeah, I guess. You, I don't that's know. so funny. You're it's like afraid of losing idea. cool points. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. your parents are going to be going to bed at night with their warm milk. Like, man, Mike really got soft. He used to be. Yes, exactly. So cool. <laughs> he used to be so cool. No, so Taylor, Taylor, I'm telling you, I, I think about this because the show is all about sort of life and death and mortality. And... And and one of the things I obsess over is like, why don't I tell my parents I love them? And I talk about it on stage, and I still don't do it. That's 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 outrageous. Do they watch your stuff? No. Oh, okay. Does that hurt you? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's complex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think- you wish they did, or are you like it's probably for the best you don't? Have you guys ever talked about it? They come to the big stuff. They came to Carnegie Hall about 10 years ago. They came to Broadway a couple of years ago. You know, like oh, they I mean, come They come to the big stuff. They don't come every year kind of thing. 
Right, right. But they watch it. Yeah, yeah. Did they say anything nice after? <laughs> they, they usually go, they say things like, that was very professional. Like, I don't think I, I don't just don't think they find me that funny. That's interesting. But they think you're cool. Yeah. The I love you thing is really interesting to to dig into because it's so deep. Such yeah. an intense topic. Yeah. And it is really relatable. I know a lot of people who are like, oh, my parents weren't huggers. Oh, mine too. Mine neither. Yeah. My sister yeah. Patty pointed out to me recently that like in our 20s, there was like an intervention in our family with the kids. I don't even remember this where the kids were like, where us kids were like, uh, uh, we'd like to do hugging now. That's so funny. No, Larry. Did you do that on stage? I hadn't done it. Patty we'd like it to do hugging now. We'd like to do That's hugging so now. That's so funny. We'd Patty like to introduce hugging. Patty brought it up when I did the show in Berkeley in January and I thought, I got to figure out how to do that on stage. It's so funny. It's so, so funny. good. We'd like to do hugging. We have a pitch. It's, yeah. That's it's just, really funny. It just runs deep. You were but... negotiating love. <laughs> yes, we were negotiating love. You were like, here are our terms. In exchange for like, hugging. Yeah, we'd like hugs in the morning and at night. And they're like, <laughs> we'll give you holidays. <laughs> and you're like, we're going to need more than that. Can we do Saturdays? And they're like, okay. Like they're, We're like, um... Um, we'd like you to hug us and in exchange, we'll go to church. Right. That's funny. That's really funny. Like, well, what do we get if we give you hugging? Sometimes I, when I talk to my mom, I feel this is not material. But it's like sometimes I talk to my mom, I feel like if I went to church, her life would be made. <laughs> like, I literally feel like if I, if I just casually on the phone was like, and I love talking to my mom on the phone. I was like, oh, yes, I was at church today. She'd be like, what? (laughs) What's that you say? Right. I don't know. It's church. You know, it's Sunday. So I I hit church. I hit noon mass. And I really got in some times with JC. And it was it felt good. And she would just be like crying tears of happiness. It's like, why don't I do that? If it's that easy, why don't I do that? Yeah. Or just lie. Yeah. Like I went to church. They're like, how was it? You're like, good. Yeah, yeah, good, good. yeah. It's really, it was church. Father Jim really knows <laughs> what he's talking about. They're all named Jim. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I do feel like everybody in your family who's still religious is kind of waiting for God to intervene. Yes. Like they do believe like you're coming back. Yep. This is a... We'll get you. Yeah, you've gone off on a tangent. Yeah, but you'll you'll find your your way back to us eventually. We, we get you on the way up. We'll get you on the way down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that is a lot of people's hope. I had uh, a family member and like my my extended family who is like in the church and and is but is like cool and open minded and all that. But said to me at one point, like, I think you're more Christian than you think you are. Oh, yeah, sure. And I was like. I mean, I feel like a big part of it is the the Christ part. <laughs> you know, like, isn't that kind of like the only thing? You used to do that. Did you do that right? on stage? No, I haven't. That's super funny. I'm like, I just, think a I big think part is just, the Christ part. Yeah. I'm like, I think you just think I'm a good person. I love you know? that. No, you know, it's funny. That's why I have how I feel about my mom. I've always felt this way. 
My mom is quintessential, the best poster woman for Christianity. Mm-hmm. She's kind to people. She does things for the poor. She she works at halfway houses, like all these things. It's just the Christ part that gets you. Yeah. Where I go like, what? A, yeah, you really believe in the whole thing with the yeah. book? And it was used as propaganda in the Roman Empire? Yeah, you're good with that? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. anyway. That's how I feel about my grandma, where I'm like, you're such a good example of Christianity and how it's supposed to be done right. It's how I feel about a lot of my a lot of my family, but my grandma specifically. And when she says things about God loving me and stuff, I kind of want to be like, if you didn't get me, <laughs> yes. no one's like you're the top headhunter <laughs> yes. in Christianity. If, if you, you didn't, didn't poach me. me for Christ, yeah. if you didn't convert me to Christ, no one's gonna convert me. Working It Out is sponsored in part by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon cereal is so good, is phenomenal. So I love cereal. I'm obsessed with like uh, growing up, I'd eat all this sugar cereal. And I can't really do that now <laughs> but because uh, there's a sugar part. Well, good news about Magic Spoon, no sugar. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four net grams of carbs in each serving. Uh, you build your own box. Such good flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted. That's my favorite. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle. Go to magicspoon.com slash perbigs to grab a custom bundle of cereal. I think you'll thank me. I, I think you actually will thank me in the comments of my Instagram. <laughs> you use co- promo code perbigs and you get $5 off. I use that code myself. Perbigs, is, perbigs uses perbigs. Magicspoon.com slash Burbigs. Use code Burbigs to save $5. What are you going to talk about in the third special? I don't know. Hopefully just like less. I want to say less serious things, but also, you know, some of these are dumb. Um, Cause I'm also like, I have new stuff that's like working and I'm tempted to just do that on your podcast just to be like, these are just new things. And then they're pretty good, but I'm not going to do that. I get you. I'm going to do ones that actually need work. Um, I, I have, so I have friends who like never really dated who like got married before like dating apps or anything like that, or like don't live in LA or New York and have no idea what it's like. And I had a friend ask me, like, what is it like dating right now? Because I've been married for so long. Like, I got married really young. And I was like, okay, do you know when you go to a coffee shop and you're like, hi, can I get a coffee with oat milk? And they're like, we don't have oat milk. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's fine. Could could you have soy milk? And they're like, no. And you're like, oh, I, all right, well, do you have regular milk? And they're like, yeah, but it's warm. <laughs> and then they go to the back and you're like fine okay yeah okay that's fine and then they come back and they're like actually we did we did have oat milk but oat milk doesn't want to be with you (laughs) but it is back here oh my god (laughs) but you're just constantly making compromises thinking like well it's not there it's not even available and then you're like oh no it is but (laughs) oh my god that's a great joke i love that 
Okay, that's pretty new. I love that joke. That's fantastic. Okay, good. I'm like, that's like the one where I've tried it a couple times. And I'm like, this is one of those ones where you have to figure out exactly how to say it. It might be funny if you were like, you're like, all right, just get, I guess, just black coffee. And they're like, we don't sell coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like, something like, something where the whole rug is swept out from under you. Oh, maybe that's a good, they're like, you're at a, you're at a boba tea place. (laughs) You're just looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Entirely for what you want. That's it. That's actually, that's interesting. I think it's a super funny joke. I think that what takes it from being a joke that you and I are laughing at to something that crushes with an audience and like has a shelf life is that it has a left turn that like we haven't even thought you haven't thought of yet. Right. Which is so relatable that you're like, well, I keep trying to find this thing I want and then I can't find it. And then it's all about it starts to feel like it's about you where you're like, yeah. Oh, so the thing I want just doesn't want to be with me. And then you're like, that's what everyone says is like, we are looking in the wrong place yeah. for this. Totally. That's interesting. That's good. Ma'am. Okay. Dating, dating right now has got to be just a weird, weird thing. Cause it's like, it's the quintessential thing where everyone's on the apps mm-hmm. and I was my, my marriage predates apps. And so I've never been on the apps but the idea of it, so shocking to me, which mm-hmm. is like you're evaluating people like in being evaluated yeah, without even kind of talking about it. Yeah. It's super weird. It's super so objectifying weird. in such a weird way. Yeah. But it also works for people, but it's also objectifying. I think both of those things are true. Yeah, completely. Every, I mean, yeah, a lot of things can be true at once. The other joke I have, which is very new and I haven't tried it yet is, so I just took like a very mini vacation. I like went away for a night with a friend of mine who is pregnant and is like so gorgeous, like the most beautiful pregnant woman you've ever seen. And I was like taking photos of her the whole time because I was like, oh my God, you look amazing. Like, this is so cool. And I, I realized like, I'm like, I'm so jealous of my pregnant friend because she doesn't have to be embarrassed that people are walking by, like watching me take like photos of her. Like, you know how like, it's like that influencers in the wild thing where you're so scared people are gonna see you doing some sort of photo shoot on the beach. <laughs> and like, that's so embarrassing that you're taking uh, photos alone. Yeah, yeah. But if someone's, if a pregnant woman's doing that, they're like, well, it's different because she's not really alone in those right. pictures. There is right. two people in those pictures technically. But then you're like, yeah, but I'm I'm taking photos of me because I'm alone. And if you're <laughs> right. alone, you need the I need those photos more than she needs them. Yeah. She's not alone. <laughs> yeah, that is like a weird like moment we're in where you're constantly seeing people taking photos constantly, constantly. Take, at, at restaurants, taking photo of their food, you know, I'm guilty of it myself in Minneapolis, Atsuko and Ryan and I went for yoga. We took a photo of the yoga studio. It's just like, just like endless. And it, at a certain point, it is very embarrassing that we're photographing ourselves. Yeah. But it's more embarrassing to have a friend do it of you. Yes. Almost. I think a selfie is actually 
less embarrassing now because you didn't inconvenience another person. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So, okay. So let me try this one on you. This is like, this is a bit I'm working on about, cause I am, I don't, I don't speak to my dad anymore. We are estranged and people always get sad when you say you don't talk to your parents anymore because they wish they had the balls to do that. (laughs) Um, It's okay to treat your parents like a blind date that did not work out. Okay. (laughs) I spent years being like, Oh man, I'm not what my parents wanted. And now I'm like, they're not exactly what I had in mind either. (laughs) Like this is a two way street here. Uh... But for a while, my stepmom was trying to like reconcile us. So she would call me and be like, okay, but what if your dad called you? And I'm like, but he, but he won't. And she tried to parent trap you. Yeah. She's like, but what if he did? And I was like, but he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be sorry. And she's like, but what if he was? And I'm like, are you pitching the (laughs) star Wars prequels right now? (laughs) Just like, well, what if Darth Vader, what if Darth Vader was good, but he's not, he's Darth Vader. But what if he wasn't Darth Vader yet? That's so funny. This is great. This bit is great. And then the other part of it I had is like, I don't know if you guys know this. Um, if you go on Facebook still, I, I hadn't in a long time. If you go to a post that you don't agree with or something, you can report the post. Mm-hmm. But now there are so many more options for why you're reporting it. Right. There's like, it's inappropriate. Right, it's spam. It's spam. And there's one that's false information, which Mm. I assume is like for COVID or political misinformation. Sure. But you can report anything for false information. Yeah. You can like, I don't know, go to your dad's Facebook page, find (laughs) Christmas 2019, where it says, had a great day with my kids. And you can report that for false information. Uh, it's still under review, but it made me feel better. That's so funny. I love that. All right. So I have this thing about how I start in my show where I start swimming. And I love swimming because it makes you feel like if someone threw you off a boat, you'd be okay. Even though you probably wouldn't be okay. Because if they're throwing you off a boat, chances are they have firearms as well. <laughs> That's so funny. I have thought, yes, because that's that's one of those things where I'm like, I've never heard anybody say that. And I just realized I think about it every time I'm like treading water. Me too. Where you're like, okay, so if I was in the ocean and I didn't want to be, I would be okay for a minute. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, thanks. I'm going to try that. That's such a relatable thing. The thing I also think is funny about you're like, if I ever got thrown off a boat, Oh, yeah. But it wouldn't protect me because they probably have firearms. It's also just funny to hear you say that because if you showed me a picture of you, (laughs) I would not. And if they showed me a picture of you and were like, do you do you think anybody's going to throw this guy off a boat for any reason? Like, you don't look like somebody who's going to get thrown off a boat. You know, you look like you might be on a sailboat. That's really funny. For extracurricular reasons. We end with working out for a cause. Is there an organization that you think uh, is doing a great job? I always I always just plug LA Food Bank. I just like I'm a big food bank supporter as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA You're food always bank. just like there's so many different causes, but you know, the thing I think about the most and uh am faced with the most is is that. So, 
and well, wherever well, you are, if you're in another place, I just food bank. Well, yeah, I, I always say the same thing. I give to the food banks in whatever town I'm performing in. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I consider oh, myself like a part-time resident in that town for that period of time. And oh, that's cool. the amount, the amount of that, uh, food bank can stretch a dollar yeah. is mind bending. Yeah. You just can't believe how giving, if you can give $10, $15 to a food bank, to your local food bank, do so because they can really stretch a dollar and people need it right now. Food insecurity is a huge, huge problem in this country. So, um, so I'll give to them, and uh, and I'll probably see you in Los Angeles. I'm doing um, the Taper Theater this summer for for five weeks. The Old Man oh, in the Pool. Cool. I'm doing July 23rd through August 24th or 27th or something. Oh, that's awesome! I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. And uh, thanks for coming on and working out jokes with you is like a pure joy. It's pure joy. Oh my god, so much fun. I, I really, it's it's rare to look forward to a podcast. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no... That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out with Taylor Tomlinson. Oh, love Taylor Tomlinson. Can't wait to see what she does next. You can follow her on Instagram at, at Taylor Tomlinson. You can watch her special on Netflix. It's called Look At You. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Steve Bone, with help from Kate Bolinsky. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. As always, a special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. My brother Joe is going to see them in Boston next week. It's sold out. There's nothing you can do about it. Try to see them if you can. I saw them live. They're so good. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. We collaborated on a book. It's called The New One. It's uh, it's at your local bookstore. We, we were just uh, nominated as semifinalists in the Thurber Prize for American Humor, uh, which is at the Thurber House in Columbus, Ohio. If you haven't been there, check out the Thurber House. That is a phenomenal museum. And hopefully Columbus makes it onto the tour for the fall. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created the original Radio Fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. If you're liking the show, go on Apple Podcasts and just say, what's your favorite episode? What's your favorite favorite episode and why? Throw some stars in there. We're almost up to 3,000 darn stars. I think if we get up to 3,000, I think it lowers the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. I'm not sure how it works exactly, but something really special happens. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out. We'll see you next time, everybody.